Thank you for listening to this Table Church Sermon podcast. We are in our Advent series right now called Christmas Playlist. And in this series, we are taking a look at some of the lyrics in our favorite Christmas hymns. Now, these songs that we sing each year have some profound theological and scriptural truths in them, but we're in danger of missing it because of how familiar many of us have become with those songs. So I hope that you enjoy this message. And as always, feel free to find us online at tablechurchdsm.org. Table Church. My name is Julie, and I will be reading out of Isaiah 42. one. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Table Church. My name is Megan Cook. I'm the discipleship pastor. Great to see all of you here today. Welcome, welcome. Uh, So as we get started here, I just want to let you know, if you want to follow along with us in the Bible today, we're going to have all the scriptures on the screen, but if you'd like to be holding a Bible and touching the pages, we have one for you if you didn't bring one. Uh, We have some in the back, so if you want one, just raise your hand, and somebody from the back will bring you one, and then if you want to, you can keep it. You can just take it home with you. We would love that. So um, as we get started, I just want to bring everybody in so we're all on the same page. We're on week two of our Christmas series. This is kind of our Advent series. Advent technically starts today. We started a week early, okay? So this is week two. Uh, It's called Christmas Playlist. So really what we're doing is going back and visiting some of our time-tested classic Christmas carols that we sing every year um, and looking uh, through that lens um, about what it has to say for us today, okay? Uh, So today's hymn comes from 18th century England. Okay, so the Industrial Revolution has by this point caused significant progress and chaos in the 18th century. Okay, so to give you an idea, in the year 1700, there were about 600,000 people living in London. And by the year 1800, over a million people lived within the city walls of London. Okay, huge, huge change. So the disparity between rich and poor had always been significant in that city, but now the city is just flooded with new people coming in from the countryside. Most of them are extremely poor, and they're looking for work, and there were almost no social safety nets whatsoever to help people if they needed help. Right, so labor laws to protect workers were almost non-existent. Disease created suffering and orphaned children who had to live on the streets. And many young children worked in factories doing really dangerous work. Hundreds of thousands of people in that city did whatever it took to survive day to day. And London's religious society at the same time, they were cold and decorous. Right? It was very difficult to locate real Christians, people practicing true religion, but they did exist all over the city. And, and that is even where we come from, from the Methodist movement coming up out of that society right there in England. 
right? Now, Charles Wesley was one of those Christians living in the city at the time, and he sees what is happening in the city and the ignorance or just open defiance of most religious society to do anything about it, and his response is holy rage, just holy rage. The people of God are turning their eyes away from all the suffering around them, and they're passing judgment on the poor as if it's all their fault, and they're refusing to help. That was just acceptable in society at the time. So 1744, and Charles Wesley, in this season of his life, for decades and decades, he writes several lines of verse a day, usually many, many, many lines of verse a day. And on this day, he goes to the Old Testament prophets, and it's in a spirit of lament on behalf of his city. And he quotes the prophet Hagar from the 6th century. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with a glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace. And it was with that scripture in mind that Wesley wrote some verses down as a prayer that eventually became a hymn. He wrote, come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Joy of every longing heart. And the thing is, there are a whole lot of longing people that do not have joy. There are a whole lot of people who know they have Jesus and they still do not feel like they have joy. So what is joy and how can it coexist with suffering? Dallas Willard says that joy is a pervasive and constant sense of well-being. Hope in the goodness of God. Joy is a pervasive sense of well-being, dependent on God, not your circumstances. Joy can coexist with suffering because joy flows from God and God suffers with us. He suffers with us all. There is no dark corner where God does not exist and where God does not entirely involve himself in our affairs, and in our afflictions. Even as God prepares our ultimate deliverance, he waits and he weeps with us. God is with us. And that is why we love the name Jesus, our hope, our joy, our deliverer, our friend, the one who delivers us from sin and fear, and he sobs with us while we grieve and we wait. Jesus Joy of every longing heart. Joy is located where Jesus and longing meet. Longing is a sensation. That where things are today is not where they ought to be. This is why we as a church are so motivated by the call to justice. Biblical justice labors to close the gap between where things are and where they should be. That is the prophetic cry, holding circumstances as they are up to God's 
holy standard of his good, holy creation and saying, not yet. This is not good yet. This is not done yet. This is not acceptable. If you look around, things are not as they should be. Righteous people want what our righteous God wants. Holy people long for what God longs for. Psalm 89 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Isaiah 42 is the passage looking forward to the Messiah. It says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations in faithfulness. He will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Now, for those of you who don't know, I wear many hats in my life. Right? And in addition to pastoring at Table Church, I also serve full-time as a house pastor and a recovery counselor for the Salvation Army downtown. Okay. Now, the Salvation Army is a church. They came out of the same place in England where we uh, call our roots, okay, out of the Methodist movement. And uh, it's a church. They've served as a social safety net for the people of Des Moines for over 80 years here in the city, all right? They've served thousands and thousands of people in the name of Jesus unashamedly. Now, our primary program through the Salvation Army in Des Moines has been here for many, many decades, since uh, the 20s, 30s, 40s is when it really got uh, going here in Des Moines. It's called the Adult Rehabilitation Center, or we call it the ARC, all right? Now, poverty and addiction are a daily struggle for many people, but we believe that poverty and addiction do not have to be permanent, right? But to get out of that, we need help. We need hands to help us. And that's what the Salvation Army does. They stand in the gap between where things are and where they should be, okay? Now, the ARC provides men ages 18 to 65 up to 12 months of housing, and three big home-cooked meals and all the snacks you want every day. Good work to do, a beautiful community of people to support them, lots of resources right here in the middle of the city, all completely free. No one pays to be there. We have room for up to 60 men in the house at one time, right there in the East Village, and it is a bustling place. If you know where that store is on 2nd and Court, that's where we are. That's where everybody lives, right there. Uh, I, I love it. Jesus is thick there. It's such a privilege to get to be a part of it. I absolutely love it. You know how we pay for it, by the way? Red kettles and thrift stores. Okay, so all over the metro, every time you put cash into one of those red kettles or click the QR code, or every time that you shop in one of our thrift stores all over the metro, even in Ames, that money directly goes to your actual neighbors, to our actual program. Okay, that's where nearly all of that money goes. It's to the program that I work for. Okay, that's how we manage to do it. All right, it's an incredible thing. All right, so when you, when you give, just my little pitch, when you give, your money immediately goes to your neighbors. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. 
All right, now the week that I wrote this sermon, I was sitting at my desk, and one of our beneficiaries of the program, he burst into my office, and he's got tears in his eye. He's about like 60 years old, okay? This is a man who, who rode in a bus from Florida to Des Moines because there was an opening in our program, and he wanted to do it so bad, okay? He wants to be here. So he runs into my office, he's got these tears streaming down his face, and he practically yells out, do you have a minute? I need someone to pray for me. And he'd just gotten a letter, and his wife wants to get a divorce. And he's just absolutely crushed. He's getting sober, he very much loves his wife, he does not want a divorce, he doesn't want to get cut out of his family, he's devastated. And when you are trying to get out of the claws of addiction, a moment like this can really be life or death, right? And I, of course, say, come in, come in. And he throws himself in the chair in front of my desk, and he throws his head down and puts his hands out, and I pray for him, all right? And we pray it through, just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And when it's done, he is at rest. He's at rest. That is joy, on his worst day, that is joy, all right? Where his longing and Jesus meet. On the day where it looks like addiction is going to steal his marriage away from him for good. Jesus, Jesus right there, and he's at rest, absolutely at rest. Nothing about his situation has changed, not at all, but Jesus, he brought his longing to the Lord, and Jesus met him there. And James 5 says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That is a man who believes that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That is a man who believes the answer to his broken heart is found in the person of Jesus. Jesus is his answer before he gets any other answers. What faith? The people of God should operate as deeply bound alternative communities in the world. We talk about this at Table Church a lot. We labor to offer a compelling alternative to what the world tells you you should do with your life. Walter Brueggemann says that we should carry a conviction that the world can and will be different because of the purposes of God that will not relent. Do we possess a deep conviction that Things can and will be different in this city because the purposes of God will not relent. When people suffer, do we just quote Romans at them and say, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him? Or do we prove Romans 8.28 to them because we are laboring through the suffering with them? Proving God is with them because the people of God are with them. Do we prove it? with our labor and our protest and our prayers. We prove it's real. Does your life prove that the purposes of God will not relent? Does your life prove that God has not abandoned the world? Are we convinced, are we convicted that this city can and will be different because the purposes of God will not relent? Are you convicted that your life and your neighbor's life can and will be whole because the purposes of God will not relent? Do you actually believe that we are remaking the world here? 
Are we just putting up signs and going to church? Are we remaking the world here? Do you actually believe that God is intimately involved in remaking your life? Do you actually believe the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective? Is prayer action? Is the presence of Jesus your deepest solution, your deepest relief? Do you actually believe Jesus is in the room? Do you believe he's in this room? Do you believe it matters? Do you believe it makes a difference? Do you believe Jesus helps? If you want this, we have an invitation for you. We've been talking about our prayer counseling team for uh, several weeks now, here and there. And we want to share this video with you today. Uh, lots of members from our prayer counseling team who've gone through the training, and we're now actually offering prayer counseling sessions every Sunday from 4 to 6. Uh, we want to share a little bit about what's happening in that ministry with you. So please watch. Hi, Table Church. I think you should sign up for a prayer session because life is hard for a lot of different um, reasons. Um, I know that for me personally, I was stuck in a lot of pain and anger. The prayer session helped me see that Jesus was with me the whole time, has always been with me, and that I could confidently hear his voice and know that he has good things for me. I want that for you too. The first time that I ever heard about it was when um, Pastor Phil did the sermon on the lame man by the pool. Jesus had the question for him, do you want to be healed? And I think that really um, kind of sums it up for me. Was I willing to let Jesus into those parts in my life or those times where there was a hurt? If you can say yes to that, I think you will be totally blessed. and encouraged and feel loved and experience God in maybe a way that you haven't ever done that before. You know, it's one thing to know about the love of God and to be able to say that God loves me, but it's a whole other thing to actually experience that love in a tangible way. And that's what these prayer sessions allow us to do. I mean, when else in our lives do we get a chance to just sit there for that much time in the presence of God? to be prayed over, to be ministered to by, by other believers. But that's what happens in these sessions. And so it's a remarkable thing. And I know that in my own life, it's been absolutely transformative. I was lucky enough to attend a session and really um, unpack some of the ways that I had been holding on to past hurt. I just felt such a freedom after my session, even though things aren't always great. Um, God is with us and God sees us and is sitting with us in the pain. The knowledge that Jesus is with me in my pain and that he was with me in some of the hard moments of my life, helping to make that a little bit less abstract and a little bit less of just like a head knowledge and helping kind of connect that to reality a little bit more for me. Um, and that has been really huge and a really healing thing for me. Everything in my past has shaped me into the person I am today. And to know that Jesus is with me in that past, um, that shaped who I am today is really powerful. His presence has never left me. It is still there with past Rebecca 
going through what I'm going through there that shaped me into present day Rebecca that will then shape me into future Rebecca. And Jesus's presence is constant and continual. And it's something that I've heard and like I know, but I guess I never fully understand what that was and what that looked like until I went to the prayer counseling session. I feel like the prayer counseling sessions were a perfect like gateway and opening to healing that I didn't even know that I needed um, to continue on in my relationship with Christ and to understand him better. So after participating in it, it was definitely like a leap of faith and like <laughs> really scary to do at first for me personally. But once I did it, it was like, why was I so afraid of this before? And when I participated, I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> like this is great. Like, where has this been all my life? You know, it just makes you feel safe with Jesus. It's like a warm hug. Hey guys, I would say for me, the prayer counseling sessions that I have experienced for myself have done a lot to prove to me that prayer is a real thing. Like it's something that is really happening. There's something really happening when we pray and when we interact with God. Some of my biggest struggles in life have had to do with feeling like I'm sure that God is really good, but I think I'm really bad. <laughs> he is good and that he really likes me. He doesn't just love me and he doesn't just take care of me because he has to, but he actually really wants to. He likes me. He loves me. You can know something with your mind, but then you can actually experience it yourself in prayer. I want freedom healing and peace and joy for you. So this is a safe space, um, a sacred space. I've encountered God in these sessions in ways that I just didn't know were possible. And everybody that I talk to that goes through something like this says the same thing. And so uh, I believe that when you sign up for a prayer counseling session that, that you need to get ready to experience God in a way that you haven't before. It's going to open your eyes and it's going to open your soul to the fact that God loves you more than you ever imagined. Trust him, trust the Lord that he will uh, be exactly what you need in that area and, and heal in a place that maybe needs some healing. It redeems memories of your past that you probably didn't even know that you had or were holding on to and then all of a sudden it's released and just feel peace about it and feel loved, extremely loved. It's transformative. Um, you will walk out of that room different. Sometimes it's exhausting. Uh, sometimes it's, you walk out of there tired because you've just done a lot of work. I mean, who knew that prayer could be a lot of work, but it can be. Uh, but you'll walk out of there rejuvenated, restored, renewed, joyful, in awe at how good God is. So be sure to sign up. I can't recommend it enough. All right, so that's just a little bit. Uh, some stories from people who've had sessions, people who are on our team. Uh, and if you're all interested in that, a lot of you have been interested in it uh, already, which is awesome. But if you haven't gotten to have a session yet, just write prayer counseling on your card or come and talk to me after the service. And I'd love to tell you more and uh, let you know how to get signed up and all of that stuff. So we would love to have you experience that. All right. Now, before we go, the thing I'm going to say over and over is Jesus is in this room. He's in the room. Right? We don't want to talk about Jesus like he's not in the room. He's in the room. He's in the room. He's here. 
And if, if you're newer to Table Church today, or if this is your first time here, or if you haven't been to church uh, in a while, uh, I know that it seems like this just got weird, right? Because it did. I'm not going to gaslight you about that. Like, it got weird, right? This got weird. We're talking about Jesus, a man you can walk and talk with back and forth. Like, I spoke with him this morning already several times, all right? He loves you. Right? But in the church today, in America, if you go up to people and say, I talk back and forth with Jesus, people will be like, right? They might dismiss you a little bit because it sounds a little bit weird, but it's also extremely biblical. He is alive and he is here. All right? You can speak with him. All right? You can speak with Jesus. So what do you want? What are you willing to bring to Jesus? He can and he will address your needs. He will address your needs. There's a Maverick City song. It just repeats over and over. Just let the way make her through. Let the way make her through. Let the way make her through. How you got to let him through today? Are you going to let him through today? Right? Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. Rough ground will become level. Rugged places a plain. Right? Let him through. Get out of your own way. Let him get to you. Right? Now, we're going to celebrate communion today. And what more perfect way is there to take a moment and grab this for all the sacramental weight that it has as you're sitting in your seat to stop, to wait, to pause, and seek the Lord to show you what needs to get out of the way so you can clear a pathway for the Lord, a highway for your God to come and meet you in your need right now. His presence is your relief. His presence is your answer. His presence is what you need. And he's here for you. He's here for you at this table. And as we get ready to celebrate communion, a little bit of housekeeping, we want to make sure that you all know that you can come anytime that you're ready to come. There's no rhyme or reason to how you have to come up here. And when you do come up here, everything is gluten-free, and you just take a piece of bread, and you dip it in the cup, and then you eat it right there, okay? That's how we do it. But as you get ready to come up to the table, do not come up lightly. Take a minute and wait. Get it out of the way. Whatever's got to get out of the way. Do you want clarity and resolution about what holds you back and weighs you down? You've got to get out of your own way and let the Lord meet you where you are. You can't control what he does or what he says or how he moves. Are you ready for that? And if you can honestly say you are ready for that and you will obey whatever he gives you the impulse to do to get your own self out of the way, to get sin out of the way, to get unforgiveness out of the way, to get bitterness out of the way, when you are ready to do that, do it, and he will meet you and come out to this table and eat. All right? Now the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So get your heart ready and come and remember Jesus at this table. Remember him even as he is with you right now. Amen. Amen.